بسم الله الرحمن Assalamu alaikum. First, apologies for not being able to broadcast uh, last week. We are back and I hope we'll continue with our broadcasts. We request you to pray to Allah to give us strength to bring you our view of our understanding of uh, the Holy Quran. I don't insist that you agree with what I'm saying. This is simply what I have learned and I want to share that with you. You may agree with it, you may disagree with it. There is no compulsion. Today it is Tuesday, the 7th of December, 2021. And in our series, Reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number 281. And in this, we are discussing um, chapter 2, words of chapter 2, verse 96. And this is the third broadcast in that uh, series. Just to remind you that uh, the Lahore Ahmadiyya community was created by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad and he taught that although other people say that after the Holy Prophet Muhammad the Prophet can come, the Holy Quran says that the Holy Prophet is Khatmud Nabiyyin and the Holy Prophet said it means La Nabi Abadi. There is no Prophet after me. But of course, people and nations, they go astray and need to be guided back to the right path. And for that, God will send reformers whenever he deems it necessary. And... Uh, these people have come for the last 1500 years and they will continue for as long as there is a need, as long as the work of reformation has to be carried out. But of course, when this happens, then disagreements arise. But the Holy Prophet, although people are fond of calling each other's each other kafirs on the smallest excuse. The Holy Prophet Muhammad said that if one reciter of the kalima says to the to another reciter of the kalima that you are uh, a kafir, a heretic, a non-Muslim, that then the person saying it is the one who's closer to being a heretic. And Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Sahib stressed on this. And uh, 
there are people who believe, I mean, who are so extreme that they believe that uh, uh, not all the prophetic revelation has been included in the Holy Quran. They say, Aya Rajam, Surah Valai, they are missing. But Hazrat Mirza Ghulam taught that the Holy Quran is complete. Because the Holy Quran says that in it Allah has promised that I have revealed this and I shall guard, I shall stand guard over it. So what kind of a God can it be that his revelation is missed out from the book and he does nothing? Or for that matter, there are people who believe that some of the verses of the Holy Quran have been abrogated. uh, But this is rejected by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed who said that the Quran is perfect. Nothing in it has been abrogated. And most of all, Hazrat Sahib stressed the need for jihad. He said, every Muslim must conduct jihad, but jihad as defined by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, who when returning from fighting said that Muslims were returning from the minor jihad to the major jihad. And then went on to explain that the major jihad is a fight, a struggle. To subdue our own inner desires, greed, envy, arrogance, and so on. So, with that, let's turn to the verse of the Holy Quran that we were looking at. Oh, looking at the Urdu translation of the Holy Quran, whereas this is the English broadcast. <coughs> Verse 96 of the Holy Quran is what uh, we said. A'uzu billahi minash shaykhonir rajeem Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَخْرَ قَنَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاتٍ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا يَبُدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُؤَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَحْمِ وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَعْزِ he minal khazabi ayyu ammar wallahu bakhirum bima ya'malun and you will certainly find them the greediest of men of humans for life Greedier even than those who set up gods besides Allah. One of them loves to be granted. A, uh, one of them loves to be granted a life of a thousand years. 
and his being granted a long life will in no way remove him for, remove him further from chastisement and allah is seer of what they do in the urdu broadcast i said uh, we'll uh, look at two words ashraku and uh, yabuddu but uh, i spent so much time on the first word that we didn't get round to uh, <coughs> looking at the meaning of the second one so let us go to my notes some on computer some on paper the uh, the root of uh, ashraku is sheen ra ka and it occurs in the holy quran 168 times in eight different forms this is eight words based on these three letters sheen ra ka so if we look at them we find that uh, it occurs 71 times as ashraka and 44 times as mushrik and uh, 40 times as sharik and five times as shirk and three times as uh, <clears throat> mushrikat uh where are we and twice as mushrikat and twice as mushtarikun so these are the different occurrences and uh, <clears throat> the dictionary says ashirkatu wal masharaka it means to join two things to join together the possession of two things and uh, so basically what it means is uh two or more people own something and uh, for example the um, holy quran in chapter 20 verse 32 says uh ushrikuhu fi amri and uh, join him with me in my endeavor in what whatever it is that i'm going to do so in hadith too we find uh, many prayers uh, <clears throat> and uh, for example one of them is allahumma ashrikna fi du'a ifalihi oh allah include us 
in the prayer of or the prayers of the righteous. And there's another hadith that says, Inni sharaftuka wa faddaltuka ala jami'i khalqi wa ashraktuka fi amri. That I gave you a higher station than the rest of the creation. Made you, gave you superiority and edge. And what was that? That I joined you in my endeavor, in what I wanted done. And uh, this is why God says, I have ordered that people obey me and they obey you. This is to the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Chapter 5, verse 92. Obey Allah and obey His Prophet. Another derivation is used in another place, chapter 37, verse 23. And uh, in the punishment, they will join them in their punishment. They'll be included in it. They'll be partners in that uh, punishment. And again, in chapter 17, verse 111, in the Holy Quran, God says, Allah says, وَلَمْ يَقُلَّهُ شَرِيْكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ And there is no one who shares his majesty with him. His ownership of the universe with him. <clears throat> so th this uh, uh, shirk, this associating someone with Allah, it can be of two types. It is of two types. But one and one is that you physically say someone is, um, you know, an associate with God. It's like a bit like the doctrine of Trinity. God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Ghost. So they're three and they're one. And they're all one and three and so on. But if we take the normal meaning of three, you are associating the Son and the Holy Ghost with God's majesty. And God says, Inna Allah la yaqfiru an yushraka bi. One thing I will not forgive is that you associate someone with me. That you say someone else shares in my majesty, in my dignity. And sometimes people object to this, but I find it interesting that, uh, you know, if you claim to share in the majesty of the Queen of England or President of America or any other country, you're liable to be arrested and put in prison by 
the secret service or the police or whoever. But when God says that, you know, if you do this, I won't forgive you, everyone goes, no, that's not right. That's not fair. Now, why isn't it fair? Can someone explain that? Anyway, in another place, God says, Chapter 4, verse 115. The one, the person who associates a non-divine being with God, he's gone astray. And in chapter 5, verse uh, 72, God says that, you know, he, the, the, such a person will not enter heavens. So uh, <clears throat> that's one thing to you that you physically, you know, a bit like the old Greeks and Romans and so on. They had many, many gods and each had their, um, you know, uh, its own duties. There was the god of thunder and the god of this and the god of that and so on and they jointly they ran the universe but uh, you can be a mushrik you can associate someone with god in another way and that is that with your tongue you say god is one god is one god is one i don't associate anyone with god but in practice, what you do is you commit shirk. How do you do this? Well, you know, uh, you do something wrong and someone says, why did you do that? You knew it was wrong. And you say, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, my boss uh, asked me to do it and I knew it was wrong. But if I hadn't done it, he would have sacked me or he wouldn't have given me promotion and all this kind of thing. So basically what you're saying is, it is not God who gives you a job. It is not God who gives you promotions. It's your boss. I'm not saying don't listen to your boss. I'm not saying if your boss asks you to do the right thing, don't do it. You see, Hazrat Abu Bakr Ta'ala's first, or I should say second, first khutbah after he became Khalifa. He said to people, obey me as long as I'm right. But if I do something or if I say something or if I ask you to do something which is wrong, then set me right. That was the first thing he said upon becoming the leader of the Muslim, Muslim Ummah. If I'm right, obey me. If I'm not, set me right. So, but people, when you say, and, and I uh, had this, that I was sitting with someone and uh, a very high official and the telephone rang 
and he picked up the phone and suddenly he became so attentive that I thought he was going to bow to the telephone. At least bow to the telephone, if not actually perform a prostration or a seizure. Yes, sir, of course, sir. I am your servant, sir. Whatever you say, sir. I could guess from the conversation that the guy at the other end was his boss and his boss's wife was coming to the UK for, um, I don't know, whatever it was. So this guy was going to leave his official duties to serve this man. I'm here to serve you. I'm your servant. No, you're not. You're here to serve the state that employed you. The state is going to pay you, but you're going to do someone else's private work. Because he's, he has a higher grade. In worldly terms, he's superior to you. And you're scared. If you don't do that, you lose your job or you won't get your promotion or whatever it is. This is in practice. Shiv. My friend, partner in India, he's a Hindu and, you know, he asked me. He said Muslims um, say that we worship idols and so on and they worship the one true God. And he said, I've been to Ajmer and I've seen people prostrating to a grave. I've seen people put uh, uh, coverings on the grave and pay, you know, a quarter of a million rupees for that covering. There are people outside who are starving, who are sick, who may benefit from going to school and college if that quarter of a million rupees would be spent on their, spent on their education. But no, they're trying to please this grave. So the person buried in this grave or his soul. And then they're going to ask him for all manner of favors. I put this 100,000 rupees or 200,000 rupees or a quarter of a million rupee uh, covering on your uh, grave. Please grant me this, please grant me that and so on. And that's not the only place it happens in Lahore, it be the Ganbergs and, you know, throughout the land. There's a place called Park Patel. <clears throat> and there's a saint buried there. He was a great man. He was born, served Islam and then he passed away. May he rest in peace and may he, Allah grant him a high station in heaven. But there's a door leading to his grave and it is said that if you go through this door, it's called the paradise door or the door to paradise, that if you go through this door and there is one of the servants of that shrine sitting there and he sprinkles water, 
and even if the tiniest drop of that water hits you or your clothes, all your sins are washed away and forgiven and you can be certain that you will go to heaven. You'll be in paradise. And it doesn't occur to anyone that it is shirk to say that. It is only God who can forgive sins and grant people entry into wherever. And people happily believe it and, and uh, you know, you get into real trouble if you try and explain to them that this man, holy though he was, great was the work that he did, but he was still a human being. And this comes under this verse of the Holy Quran, chapter 12, verse 106. وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْسَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُمْ And most of these people, they don't really believe in God, but they commit shirk. This is what they're doing when they're saying, uh, you know, to uh, this great holy saint that uh, I need this and grant me this and I need that and grant me that. How can a human being who has passed away grant anything? But to get back to my friend's question, get back to his question, is that not the same as worshipping an idol? As he said, we give those idol shapes. These are just cuboids or whatever they are. They're not cuboids. Cuboid would be uh, have all sides equal, but you know. But anyway, it's still stone, and they're still worshiping that stone. You can come up with many excuses to say this and that and so on, but you know, let's be frank. So <clears throat> you can have. You can commit shirk four or five different ways. One is that the attributes and powers which are only gods, then and you think that someone else also has the same powers is to commit shirk. Like the example I gave you, you know, to bow to those graves and say, please take away these tribulations and uh, uh, whatever else. That is shirk. There's nothing but shirk. Again, the other example I gave, that uh, to consider yourself in practice, to be obedient, to be under anyone other than God, to bow and scrape to them, that is shirk. There's no point in saying, well, everyone does it, oh, this is our society, this is our culture. That's not the point. The whole point is, Islam came, it was a revolutionary religion, it came 
to do away with these things. It was a revolution and the revolution washes away everything that the revolutionaries believe needs to be washed away. So there's no point making excuses, oh well everyone does it, oh well if I don't do it this will happen, that will happen and so on. Because you think if this is this is what will happen, that will what what will happen, that you're buying bowing and scraping to these people, then you're committing shirk. Another way of doing it is that uh, you accept something other than the Holy Quran as uh, the book, the commands that you should believe and you should follow. And really, I would go so far as to say that fundamentally part of Islam is about creating a united Ummah. Yes, you can disagree on certain points and discuss and debate and so on. But to divide yourself up, you know, this one is Shia, he calls Sunni a Kafir, this one is a Sunni, he calls the Shia a Kafir. Wahhabi is called uh, Brahim is a kafir, Brahim is called Hadith a kafir and so on. So that you you cannot even sit or join with others in prayer. That is shirk. And the only jamaat that says that anyone who recites the kalima is a Muslim and no one has the right to say to such a person that you are not Muslim. It will be God who will decide at the end of the day who was right and who was wrong and who was good and who was bad and he has not devolved this authority on us. Yes, have disagreements, discuss things. Like I always say, you know, these are my findings. This is the conclusion I've come to. I'm just presenting my findings to you. You don't have to agree with me. If you agree with me, it won't make you a better Muslim. If you disagree with me, it won't make you a kafir. All these things will be decided by Allah on the Day of Judgment. And the funny thing is, not funny, haha, funny, sad, that the only organization in the world that upholds this principle that to divide up the Muslim Ummah into different groups is a form of shirk, is the one that has been declared heretical and out of the fold of Islam. On that sad note and with a prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep all of you safe and sound and free from harm, I take my leave of you. 
Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz and goodbye.